Welcome to another episode of In the Lab with Hoopsology. I am your host, Matt Thomas, joined by my best friend and co-host, Justin Goodrum. Justin, how you doing? Doing well. How about yourself? Doing good. Got a haircut last night, and it's always, uh, I was kind of growing it out for a little while, and I had goosebumps down my neck early this morning, like getting ready for work and stuff, like one of those haircuts significant enough I could feel (laughs) the breeze on my neck. Ah, man. Which is a nice feeling in some ways, not not super early in the morning, but but (laughs) good to... uh, you know, be able to see my ears again and, and everything. So right. shout out to my wife for the haircut. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> we have a bunch to get into today. As per usual, we um, have a lot of news leading into the all-star break. We had another monster scoring performance that we'll cover. We had some controversial news, kind of a repeat news incident from last year and the last several years, unfortunately, for Joel Embiid, right after his 70-point game. We have all-star starters that have been announced that I want to cover with you. We have NBA power rankings that have shifted up, and we have a new event, sort of a variation of an old event that will be a new first-time event in NBA All-Star Weekend. So a lot of great things to talk about. Before we get into it, just a reminder A thank you for all your support and a reminder to please subscribe, like, share, really helps out the show. We've been seeing an increase in subscribers lately. Really appreciate that. You can follow us, Hoopsology, anywhere you're doing social media, certainly on YouTube. Look up Hoopsology or Hoopsology Podcast, social media handles at Hoopsology Pod. So Justin, we had yet another 70 plus point scoring performance this time by way of Luka Doncic and I have to give you know as, as much noise as he gets maybe negative noise a lot of the time Bill Simmons did say the ne- right after Joel Embiid scored his 70 he said Luka's going to be the next to do this and it happened in less a, in less than a week. So I yeah, guess good, call. good luck, a good a turn of good luck for Bill Simmons there. So congratulations to you, sir. And friend of the show, one of the most likable personalities in all of basketball, Lee Ellis, was there in Atlanta when Luca dropped this 73. So I want you guys to hear what he had to say about this performance. Luka Doncic's 73-point masterpiece is the wildest performance I've ever seen live. A real I-was-there moment and story to tell forever. With 41 points at the half, there was a buzz around the arena. He passed 50 with under five to go in the third. And while the Mavs led, most importantly, the game was close because spectator selfishness kicks in and you worry if it becomes a blowout, Coach Kidd might rest him down the stretch. Luca had 65 with 10 minutes left and it felt like Kobe's 81 was in play and on every remaining Mavs possession, you wanted him to be the only one touching the ball. Play hero ball, in fact, we didn't care. But Luca remained focused on winning and even gave up a wide open three to Dante Exum who drilled it and effectively sealed the game. At that point, you hope for a miracle hawk to come back to force overtime for an extra five minutes, but it wasn't to be. Luca finished with 73 points and a win. There's no way of knowing beforehand when you're about to witness a moment like this, but it sure is cool when it happens. Luka Doncic. All right, so very cool. And just some more numbers with that performance. 
Luca went 25 for 33 from the field. So a very efficient way <laughs> to go about dropping 73 points on the Atlanta Hawks. The Hawks are a team that's kind of circling the drain and unfortunately have been all season long, really, in spite of a lot of people, myself included, thinking they would climb back up from where they were. Um, so, you know, maybe not the most impressive team to do this against, but, you know, Kobe put up 81, his 81 against the Toronto Raptors, which were a less than impressive team at the time. It's still an incredible spectacle. I, I think everyone would agree. Justin, did you catch in any of this or have any thoughts about Luca's performance? Um, heard about it and heard a lot of negatives, surprisingly, just because um, of other um, players this season scoring 70. I think there's what four players in 2024 have scored 70. So a lot of it's just like, you know, defense gone from the game, NBA watered I think down. Since 2020, right? I'm sorry. Since That's like 2020, 20, oh, right? Since 2020. Yeah. Um, okay. Gotcha. Okay. I stand corrected. Um, so just it seems to be just kind of a lot of just, um, Hey, I, I don't think people understand how hard it is just to score like 30, <laughs> let alone 73, because everything has to go right. The physical exertion. Um, and you saw with the Hawks, I mean, it, that's not like, you know, we're not talking about the Detroit Pistons. I mean, no disrespect, but I mean, to really pull off a feat like that is pretty incredible. And it's to see kind of just this criticism of just the leagues going down the drain when the guy scored 73. Um, I think that's that's a bit disheartening um, and not really appreciating the, the greatness of Luca. I'm glad you bring this up because you're right. This this was, and not just because of Luca, but because of the combination of it yeah. happening in the same week with Joel and, and then Luca. You did see this a lot. And I think two things can be true at once. Like, even though I would agree defense is less competitive than it used to be, um, offense has gotten more talented for one thing. But I think any time you see a performance that's 25 out of 33, like I mentioned, I mean, that's incredible. That, that would be fairly remarkable for someone to do um, with – more wide open looks than what Luca was getting in that instance. So I think when comparing the two, I'm a little bit more impressed with Luca's even than Joel Embiid's. Although with Embiid, I I think people are unanimously, oddly enough, in spite of these talking points we're mentioning on the negative side, people do seem to be unanimously impressed with Joel's scoring range, like that he can score on three different levels of the floor with relative ease. So there, there are some contradictions in all of this. I do think it's becoming less rare to see like a 50-point scoring game. Like that feels like less big of a deal than it used to be. Um, back through the 90s and early 2000s, but I, I'm with you. I mean, I'm I'm impressed any time someone can get above 70 points, and it's not like the referees handed it to either of these gentlemen when they got their 70 point games last week. Yeah, no, completely agree. And it just speaks to just what a superstar Luca is. Um, I think if we're talking about just kind of marketability i know he was on with the inside the nba guys i think that was before i think he was on there before 
Um, and they were asking him about there was a controversy with the fan and everything. So I think it's just also his resolve to overcome like a massive distraction and come out and just have this performance. I think that speaks a lot about him as well. Yeah. So credit to Luca hats off to him. I do think he does have a real chance at challenging Kobe for that 81 at some point because of how much he gets the ball in the system that they run for one thing, but also just how truly talented he is and how if he's hitting from deep with efficiency, I, he should be dropping 40 in any given game um, with the pace that we're playing at nowadays and just, just how he can take over like that. No, agreed. Yeah. So looking at um, another person who we just were talking about, Joel Embiid, he was scheduled to play against the Denver Nuggets. You'll remember last year, of course, we had the MVP clash between Embiid and Jokic. We have, at this point, somewhat of a similar clash, although Joel, I think, is the clear front runner as we just discussed last week compared to a little more closeness with it last year competing with Jokic. Well, anyway, his opportunity comes up this season to play in Denver against the Nuggets. And what we're seeing reported is that the NBA is now expected to review the Sixers' decision to have Joel Embiid sit out against the Nuggets, and this is per Sham Sharania. And Embiid, I didn't realize this until I saw this report come up, but Embiid didn't enter the injury report, this quote from Shams, I'm told until 15 minutes before tip-off. And for sure, that's something the league will have to look into, end quote there. So, Justin, is this, you know, just drama that's being kicked up? Are you disappointed in Embiid or, or other? I mean, how do you land on what you're seeing from this report? Um, I think disappointed, less than Embiid, but I kind of, I don't know how I'm going to phrase this. I think in the situation... It's not that big of a deal, but if you look at the bigger picture, it is a big of a deal in terms of how many times he's played in Denver and yeah. just the perception of him being afraid of Jokic. I mean, the optics don't look good for him. But in terms of this situation here, I think the more disappointing factor is the Sixers. I, I mean, it's 15 minutes before tip-off. I mean, what are you doing? I mean, there, mm, I mean, what, what are the rules regarding this? You can't just all of a sudden just keep switch your starting lineup with 15 minutes remaining. I mean, I don't know. That's not fair. So um, to me, that's a bit concerning. Um, I don't know what the league can really do about that. Uh, but in terms of NBA, I think because Jokic is not that, I mean, for fans like us who follow this every day, um, he's super popular, but for your casual fan, you know, Jok the Joker is not super popular. So I think the optics for Embiid, I don't think this hurts him in terms of like the broader sports landscape. Uh, but you get into the basketball circles. Yeah, this, I think this is a hit to his reputation for sure that he didn't play. Yeah, it's. I feel mostly disappointed because it's a missed opportunity. What should be a marquee matchup. Uh, the last two MVPs and guys that were, you know, rivals, even if it was contrived by the media for the most part that's still something that you can market so easily and that fans do want to see. I do agree that, you know, Denver being small market impacts some of that, but with Jokic being a multiple time MVP, I mean, the game 
kind of sells itself. That's easy for you to, to package and, you know, get people somewhat excited in at least more excited than they normally are for a Denver Nuggets game. So it's, it's a blown opportunity there. I do want to keep an eye on this and see if Embiid or probably more accurately, the Sixers organization, as, as you mentioned, gets fined for this. Um, I'm not sure that they can justify since it was 15 minutes before the game. I mean, if it was the same knee issue that had been hindering him on and off for a little while for stretches at various times this season, I'm not sure you can really justify that 15 minutes before tip off. So it, it yeah. does seem a little shady. <laughs> does. <laughs> Very suspect for sure. And I know the Denver Nuggets fans, they it was all over my Twitter timeline that I'm just booing and bead the champ. Yeah. I mean, they're all over him. So, I mean, a little more context to what you said in terms of the disappointment of Embiid not being there. He's six and two in his last eight matchups against Jokic, but hasn't played in Denver since 2019. Wow. So I think that really jumps out to people when they see that, that in the 2020s, Joel Embiid has never played Jokic in Denver. Now, granted, it is an East versus West versus West matchup. So they don't play as much as like an interdivision rival or even the same conference type of rival, but still that does seem a little egregious. It's been now five years that you haven't played in Denver. Another thing I saw that is interesting to keep an eye on too, Justin, and maybe Embiid just doesn't care about this, but it does seem like he, he cares. That was one of the things that was, exciting i think about him winning mvp last year is is he cared about it and he wanted it he's now only five games away per the new stipulation on end of season awards if he misses five more games he's not going to be eligible for regular season awards wow i heard that too yeah the fact so cutting it very close yeah i you know a lot of people also i think have some outrage about the award because they're hearing this and they're seeing the dominating performances that Embiid is having. Personally, for me, though, my stance has not changed. I do like the encouragement of players playing 65-plus games in order to be eligible for these these awards at the end of the year. Yeah. No, me too. I think that should be factored into it. I think, you know, we talk about the 90s and the 80s just – the longevity plays a part. And when you're sitting, you know, I think that skews the numbers there. So I agree with you. I mean, in terms of having just that higher um, threshold in terms of qualifying for the MVP race, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's, it's important to have standards if you want things to be perceived as legitimate. And and this is a standard that I certainly don't mind. Uh, It's an interesting debate though. And you know, history would tell us too that it's not common to win these postseason awards at even right at that threshold of, I believe it's 65 games. Yeah. Um, so we'll be interesting to see what happens. Certainly, we wish Joel Embiid all the health to make it to the finish line and be eligible and in that conversation. Looking at both Jokic and Embiid, along with several other players, we had all-star starters announced at the um, the very end of last week. And 
looking at what we have, just to shout them out for those of you who can't see the infographic here. On the West, we have SGA, Shea Gilgis-Alexander from the OKC Thunder. We have Luka Doncic, who we just mentioned. We have LeBron James as the leading vote-getter from the fans. I think the vote-getter thing isn't a huge surprise, but we'll talk about LeBron in the starting role. KD, who has played great for the Suns this season, in spite of maybe a little bit of a haphazard record. He is also starting. And then Nikola Jokic, two-time MVP, still doing great things in Denver. So there's our West. And while we're on it, let's just talk about the Western Conference before we move East. Any surprises that you see in in the West starting lineup, surprises, injustices, whatever you want to describe it as, Justin? I always feel weird about this. I think we talk about this every year. Guys get hurt. Guys don't want to play. Guys end up as all-stars. I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, when you see a guy go into the Hall of Fame, do you ever hear about... He's a whatever, 10-time all-star game starter. Do you ever hear that? I do, yeah. I you think okay. I think it contributes to the resume. I think people have kind of wised up a little bit and maybe realized that all NBA selections are a little bit more impactful than that. Sure. But I, usually I hear just like he's a 10-time all-star. Like mm-hmm. so, and I think hey, talking about snubs, I would say I know we've kind of hated on him. Um, but I think the Clippers deserve some love. And mm. I think with Kawhi Leonard, I think he's been pretty solid. But to me, I don't That's know. That's a good one. I like, like that. Like, uh, like starter, bench, is like tomato, tomato, man. I, I, I think I'm happy for like Shea Gilchrist. I think that's awesome uh, yeah. for him to be named starter. But I mean, it's kind of like, yeah. You know, these guys are all kind of interchangeable. They're all on the all-star team. I know some people that take it personal. <laughs> he's not a starter, uh, but... I don't know. To me, it doesn't really make a difference. I know that's kind of maybe sacrilege. Um, I think missing the team itself, it could be taken more seriously compared to if you're a starter or if you're on the bench. I don't, I don't, I don't think that really matters too much. And we should have that information, I think, by the end of this week. And, I think Thursday, that is, traditionally, TNT. You're right. And, yeah. and that's usually when you see the outrage really yeah. – kind of ramp up. Um, sure. I, I will mention just a couple things. Um, and, and of course we have to preface that the all-star starters are based a lot on the fan vote. Uh, so that makes you eligible to be a starter. And depending on if you are a guard or front court, that determines how, how you land here. So there's, there's a lot of controversy over that whole process too. And like eliminating technically, you know, the center position and all that. I don't want to get too much into that. A couple things I'll mention that are interesting to me. And I'm not saying really that are unjustified for one thing. The Timberwolves are the number one team out West at the time of this recording anyway, though it's close with the nuggets and they have no representation here. I think if you look at their roster, like Anthony Edwards at this point, isn't efficient enough to the point that I'd really want him to oust anyone on that list. So that's point one is that it's kind of almost like San Antonio Spursy, you know, when they wouldn't have a starter for a little while there, or maybe like tail end of Tim Duncan, um, even though Duncan would be an all-star, et cetera. 
uh, but they would have like the number one team out West. So shades of that. The other thing, um, Pelicans, you know, Zion, not able to, to crack that starting lineup. Um, good point. Yeah. I think the other thing that's interesting and I'll just go straight Lakers. If you are really like tuned in and watching the games and what's happening on, on a more detailed, uh, maybe scrutinizing level, LeBron is not the best player on the Lakers this season. It's, it's Anthony Davis, but obviously this is where the fan vote comes in. So I'm not saying I'm surprised that Anthony Davis didn't replace LeBron James here, but if we're talking about performance, He's too popular, you know, yeah. the fans yeah. technically got it wrong. You could say if you're basing on performance on the court and I'm not even saying LeBron's having a bad year. Yes. Everyone's given him his flowers for longevity and all that stuff. Yes. We've, you know, haven't seen a lot like LeBron James this season. Um, but just, I think, interesting when you look at what's actually happening. No, it's true. And also, I mean, LeBron's the face of the league, and he's having, you know, he's playing at a high level. So it's just, that's tough to beat. Yep. So moving east, let's take a look at our starters here. Damian Lillard makes it in uh, as a starter. Remember, Justin, I, I'm sure you do that there were several seasons where Damian Lillard couldn't crack the all-star team. That's right. <laughs> Good to see him in some ways. Good to see him as a, a starter right off the bat. Right. Um, Halliburton, Tyrese Halliburton of Indiana. Yeah. He's been putting up stats. So he really, I, I think in some ways I'm kind of impressed by the fans in, in spite of the numbers that jump off the page. I mean, to put a, a pacer in the starting lineup, you know, for one thing, but uh, I think many would agree that he has, he has earned that. We'll talk about that in a minute. Jason Tatum, I, I think uncontroversial, controversial pick along with Giannis and then Embiid to round out our starting five there. There's one player in particular that a lot of people are feeling were snubbed. You might mention him, Justin, but I want to throw it to you for your thoughts first on how this starting five is looking again i echo my comments earlier i don't know if it's like a snub i think it's deserved to be called out i mean it's jalen brunson yeah uh, that's me. exactly uh, who i was alluding to you know career yeah. best 26 points you know four almost four rebounds um almost seven assists um you know the new york knicks uh, really you know remaining relevant in the playoff race you know they had a great season last season too but i mean uh, I don't know. We're really arguing semantics here. I don't think it's something super egregious. And I mean, if he gets left off the all-star team completely, then I think (laughs) that's a massive mistake. And I I couldn't imagine that happening. Yeah. 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 I think he makes it. Um, So if he's a starter, I don't know. I'm not opposed. I'm not like really pining to take, you know, the, any of the backcourt players off that list. So. Yeah, I do think um, you're right. I mean, Brunson will get a lot of playing time in in the All Star game, no doubt. Yeah. I think it just shows that you know he's in spite of playing for the Knicks. You know, oddly enough, I don't think he's really he has a lot of name recognition around he him. Doesn't that's true? Uh, which seems kind of weird. Like I I think a lot of people could not point out 
Jalen Brunson, like the difference between him and, and another player, like if you said, is it Jalen Brunson or Tyrese Halliburton, or maybe that's a bad example, but a lot of people, even basketball fans maybe could not identify that, which is yeah. just kind of odd because, you know, point guard is such a big deal in New York. Like they have that storied history of like great point guards coming from New York and you have a guy who's serving, I mean, maybe he's not an all time great, but he's having a great season and you know, kind of <laughs> feels, I mean, he wasn't able to crack the starting true. five in the all-star game. And now it's a good point. You yeah, think market alone, he would be challenging Tyrese Halliburton just in a campaign too. alone. That's yeah. true. Yeah. No, you're right. It's a good, a good observation. It's true. And I don't know, I haven't seen too many of the player campaigns. I, I know the Rockets have been putting a little bit of effort into Shangoon. Shangoon also has, you know, the, the love and support of another country. Sometimes that helps players out too, you know, that he's getting a lot of support from Turkey. But I've, I haven't seen too many, too much campaigning as far as that goes. Yeah, me either. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's interesting. Um, yeah, the momentum wasn't on his side. Maybe with the snub and maybe that'll fuel him, you know, getting that surge next year. We'll see. I do think another thing that is interesting also is that going back to the West, SGA replaces Steph Curry essentially mm -hmm. from this starting lineup, which I find fascinating because it's again golden state might might not be the the biggest market but it is still california versus okc um and so for steph curry to not get the votes required to oust sga i mean i think that is correct i have no problem you know performance wise with that pick i just find it kind of fascinating because for a while there maybe curry wasn't exactly the face of the league but there were debates for for several years there between LeBron and Curry being the face of the league at a time there when they were rivaling in in the NBA Finals together. Yeah, no, that's true. And you know, just he's so popular, and he, he I think he won the fan vote, um, so I think he got more votes. I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but you know, I, I agree with you. I think with SGA, that's the right decision to make over Steph this year. Even though how much I love Steph, so. Putting you on the spot, Justin, do you expect, I mentioned Shangoon, who I do expect to maybe just barely crack the all-star reserves. Do you expect any bulls to be on the all-star list when it comes out? I've, I've heard buzz for DeRozan, a little bit of campaigning there. Do you expect to see it? Do you think it's warranted? I think it's, I would give it like a 40% chance just because they're the ninth seed. They've really bounced back, especially with Zach Levine. You know, he that long period, he was hurt. I would say there's a decent chance of him making it. But, you know, the Bulls are kind of seen as also a team that's kind of less in purgatory right now. So I can kind of see it going both ways, but we'll see. Absolutely. Yep. Definitely another, another great thing to keep an eye on. Um, want to mention also in talking about the all-star game and all-star weekend, we have a first time event for the NBA and Justin, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is not in lieu of a three point contest. This is going to be an additional three point contest. I checked. Correct. So you'll have the skills, 
um, three point slam dunk, and this will be another event added on top of that. Correct. And what this is, is the NBA versus the WNBA for the first time that we've ever seen it. It's going to be Steph Curry versus Sabrina Ionescu. Mm-hmm. And they're doing a three-point challenge. And we'll see how it goes. It's it's going to be really interesting. I think people who know of Sabrina Ionescu, which you know, she's, she certainly doesn't have the name recognition in spite of having her own signature shoe and, and the like, she doesn't have the popularity that Stephen Curry does, but she can knock down a jump shot. So I I do think there is a real chance that she could take this and and be very competitive with Steph Curry. Uh, Steph may need to, may need to watch out and bring (laughs) his a game what do you think of, I mean, this is the first time we've seen WNBA stuff thrown into the mix a little bit more. And, and this directly, certainly, I guess, is a better way to put it. Because there's sure. certainly, there's a presence on All-Star Weekend. They've about, done integration before with the WNBA. And there's like a little bit with like the shooting stars sure. and, and things like that. But in terms of like head-to-head, this is the first time we've seen this outside of that shooting stars competition what are your thoughts on this? Are, are you looking forward to it? Um, what are you expecting from it? Um, I'm looking forward to the actual event. I'm not looking forward to social media of this, unfortunately. Just yeah, in that's terms of society. Um, I just think this is going to get pretty ugly pretty quickly, no matter what happens. I mean, it can be, I don't know, they can have their greatest performances. Whoever wins, it is, I, don't, I just see it being criticized no matter what and used for political gain on either side of the aisle, unfortunately. It sucks because, you know, you know, we're basketball heads. We just, you know, we want to see the best just go out there and perform. But I think this is going to be used for sinister means. And I hope mm. I'm wrong. If mm. you know, if we if I come up, we come on here, you know, the day after this and you know, we can, you know, really praise just basketball Twitter and just society as a whole, you know, celebrating this then I'll be totally willing to eat crow, but I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> this is based on our society today. So, Yeah, I think, and, and kind of to put it a little bit more bluntly, I, I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see because there's a perception out there, and I'm not saying whether I agree with it or not, that Stephen Curry is, is kind of in a no-win situation. Like, if... If he loses, you know, social media is going to go nuts. And I mentioned earlier, I mean, Sabrina Ionescu, very talented shooter, could legitimately win this. Um, And and that based on what I've seen and when she's done this type of contest before, she has the ability to knock Steph Curry out out of this. Um, It's just going to come down to who has the better performance. You know, but you know, with the way social media reacts, it's like if if Steph Curry doesn't win this, he's going to get a lot of things, a, a lot of you know, negative noise for that. I would say unfairly so. so. And yeah. I think also if he if he wins it too, I think he will he will get maybe some indirect negative noise of like you know, taking it to her or whatever, like when 
she's a legit shooter. This is not like a physical competition between the two. This is a three point shootout. So I, I think I'm with you. I think we'll get a lot of dumb takes. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to it um, in terms of reading Twitter after this event is over. We're looking forward to the actual event. I think it will be really cool. Um, but yeah, just the way our society is, I think that they're not mature to handle this type of competition, unfortunately. I'm fascinated to see how it will turn out. You know, I, I also, because it's not like, um, like a physical direct, like they're not playing one-on-one or something like that. You know, I, I also think it may not be as much of a spectacle as is what's being built simply because I think what will happen is people will see that Sabrina can really shoot. And then it's just like, kind of like another three point contest. And then maybe what you see down the road, maybe the positive thing some would say is that you have a mix of WNBA and NBA players in the three point contest. And I don't know whether you want to do that or like, keep it separated between the leagues, like have a WNBA champ and an NBA champ might yeah. make sense to do that too, just for the sake of like just building a history in the leagues themselves, you know? Um, yeah. But I think, I think you're going to see that Sabrina can legitimately keep up with Steph Curry. I agree. And, but, but I think another thing too, to keep in mind, but I mean, Steph's not just another, he's not a three point champion. He's not just a great shooter. I mean, you're talking about, arguably the greatest shooter who ever left. So right. I think, I think inarguably, inarguably, point, yeah, but, exactly. But yeah. yeah just well be a nice, be a nice and you know. yeah, <laughs> but you're right. I agree with you. Um, but it, so to me, it's just one of those things where you're going to a lot of, I, I'm going to sound bad. You have a lot of people that don't know about sports commenting about this and just thinking that they're the authority when they have no idea what they're talking about. And, and I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs> in terms of just your morning talk shows or late night talk shows, just trying to have a take on this. Yeah. Um, a lot of clickbait of yeah. all that stuff. You'll see that for sure. The event, yeah. But I agree with you with Sabrina. I think it just, it, it's with shooting. It's who has the hot hand. I mean, that's another right. thing too. I mean, it's just like Steph could be killing it in practice and then, you know, go cold when he's out there. Vice, you know, same thing for Sabrina. So, you know, who's hot, who's cold. I mean, that's kind of, where it's going to come down to. I don't know the rules of this. So that's another thing. It's another event. So in terms of like timing, I'm not sure how that's going to work um, in terms of if this is going to be like two rounds, three rounds, if they're going to cut the actual three-point contest short. Um, to me, I would rather see actually Sabrina in the actual three-point contest, in my opinion, um, just to kind of see her against the rest of the field um, as opposed to kind of like a one-on-one format situation. But that's, that's just me. But this is, I'm not opposed to this, but given my preference, I probably would rather have her just in the regular contest. But. Mm. Yeah. Um, I do know, I read that they have four rows of balls. Okay. They can select where like a money ball row goes. Mm-hmm. And then they have, you know, that new like starry promotion right. gimmick. Mm-hmm. They have like two, I guess, starry stickers out on the court. Yeah. That's a little bit longer that they have to shoot from. Um, so I think that's the format and I don't think, you know, I, I don't think I'll be too surprised at the result either way, because Sabrina is going to be able to get all her shots up. And so is Steph, of course. So it, it seems like a pretty fair way to, if you're going to have 
you know, this, this kind of guy versus girl format or NBA versus WNBA, however you want to word it, that this is a very fair way to do that where, you know, people can, can be the victor depending on just who's hot that night. Now agreed. All right. So one more thing to get to Justin. And I, I just thought it was interesting. I've, I'm not, um, I, I'm not shy about admitting it if we're wrong. And, you know, based on what we've said, we're not wrong at this point, but I did happen to notice the power rankings. It's a good time to look at it because we're a little bit past the halfway point in the season. So I wanted to go over that and and kind of discuss some other standings and interesting things too, and just get your thoughts on it. So here's the power rankings, the top five that we have right now as of yesterday at the time of this recording, January 29th, we have the Clippers have vaulted into the top spot in the power rankings. The Celtics are at number two and the Nuggets are at number three. Both those teams, I looked it up by the way, in their last 20 games, all three of those teams are 15 and five, which is pretty impressive. The 76ers are in the four spot there. And I don't know if they just got extra love from Embiid going off or what the deal is, but the 76ers are only... 11 and nine in their last 20, which isn't, I mean, they are third in the East still They're They're holding on to that spot, but it's not nearly as impressive as, as the other groups there. And uh, they've also dropped a few games uh, in a row since this power ranking came. Well, since before this power ranking was issued. So kind of found that a little bit interesting, but I think a lot of that is just how dominant Joel Embiid has been on the court. And then fifth, the Oklahoma City Thunder, which also very impressive, a 14 and six record over their last 20 games. When you look a little bit more closely, uh, like a, a little more narrow lens, the Clippers are eight and two in their last 10. The Thunder are six and four in their last 10. So that makes a little, a little more sense for them having that lower distinction in the Western Conference. Um, the Nuggets are seven and three in their last 10. So you kind of can see maybe a, a better view at how that order came out. Celtics are seven and three as well. And the 76ers, six and four in their last 10. Um, so there are a couple other teams that that caught my eye a little bit. The the Pelicans have dropped out of the top 10. I believe they went from eighth to 12th. So in in their last 10 games, uh, they are four and six, and they are falling in the standings. Granted, there's a little bit of closeness there between the Suns, the Mavericks, and the Pelicans, but the Pelicans now, the bottom three of those, sitting in eighth at the moment. Um, also found it interesting that the Knicks, who are on a tear, a seven-game win streak, they are um, now eighth they took that eighth spot in and finally cracked the top 10 in the power rankings just on a tear ever since they got og and anobi yeah um and then the last team who finally after i talked about them all kinds on this show at the beginning of the year the cleveland cavaliers finally jump into the top 10 in the power rankings right at 10th um so justin i, I guess just to rewind a little bit any thoughts about 
the Clippers taking that number one spot. Yeah, what a turnaround for them. I think that's a really low-key story. And it's weird because like people pick the Clippers. They're like the sexy pick every year. But yeah, exactly if I'm wrong. Last year. Yeah, yeah if I'm wrong, it seems like they're not being talked about too much. Yeah, it is kind of quiet. Uh, yeah, in terms of just the hype for them. So I think it's like a, you know, we'll wait and see and we'll believe it when I see it. I'm in that mode. Um, I think they're, you know, props to them for overcoming just what happened with James Harden. Um, and it's kind of figuring it out. But I think after the all-star break, we're kind of see if this team's like legit and especially in the playoffs. I mean, really don't know how that's going to really work with all of them together, just based on their previous track record. So um, it's interesting to see just kind of some of the power teams really take hold in this top 10, like the Clippers, you know, Celtics are pretty much a, a stalwart in, you know, in that top 10, the Nuggets, 76ers. These are all teams. I mean, really the Thunder um, that in the top five, I mean, you take a look, Thunder, I think they're the top 10, really the Thunder, Timberwolves. Um, and then I think you get to kind of the next, and I would say, you know, the Cavaliers. I mean, those are teams that are traditionally not in the top 10 um, within the last few years. So true. Overall, I'm interested to see where the Timberwolves go. I mean, are they going to be like the Orlando Magic, where it's just like we were appraising them and then they kind of disappear? Um, they have a pretty, you know, great record now, but you know, this is a un kind of uncharted territory for them being at you know the, at the top of the conference for a lot of the season. So uh, we'll kind of have to see what happens with them because um, they took a pretty huge, significant drop. Um, they're at number seven, considering you know their early season success. Yeah, going back to the Clippers, I mean, I, I have to hand it to this team for the maturity that they've had in working everyone in. I mean, it was it was a good sign early, I think, when Westbrook, granted, it's also a good PR move, as we discussed at the time, but him going to the bench to allow James Harden to come in and feel comfortable as the starter, not have this struggle for who's going to be holding on to the ball, I... I am truly impressed with how mature they have been in, in handling this and that they're at least as far as we're seeing, there really haven't been any blowups like locker room blowups or things like that, or like late game situation type of blowups that you see on the sideline from time to time. Uh, you never expect that from Kawhi certainly, but you I, I was expecting there to be, I guess, a little more friction between Westbrook and Harden potentially, and we haven't seen that. That's You're right about true. the Celtics; they're they're like money at the top of the Eastern Conference. It's kind of kind of feels like they're just in a circling pattern this regular season and just waiting to pounce on the playoffs. Um, with um team we talked about last week, you know, with that major coaching change that happened, uh, I think it's worth updating as well that Doc Rivers is in officially in Milwaukee and people are already jumping on him because he blew a double digit lead. The Bucks did that is <laughs> to the Denver Nuggets and the Denver Nuggets came back and won that game. Hilarious. I think, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, the joke being that, Doc Rivers is in playoff form already. Har, har, har. Um, <laughs> but uh, I I do find it interesting, but there there is no shame in dropping a game to the Nuggets at this point. Um, and he hasn't really had time to 
build much of a framework there in Milwaukee. So I am curious to see how they adapt to him at as coach and how they correct some of the things that, that seemed like fatal flaws uh, under coach Griffin. Um, so another team to keep an eye on um, as we move forward, of course. No, totally agree. Yep. So let us know if you guys are surprised about anything you saw in the power rankings. Let us know how you think that NBA versus WNBA three-point contest will go. And maybe, you know, some of the hot takes we might see from it. Just make your predictions in the comments. We love reading that stuff. Um, Also, let us know if you were more impressed with Luca's 70-plus point game or Joel Embiid's. 70 plus point game. Um, And we always enjoy reading the comments and getting your feedback. Thank you as always for supporting the show. Thank you for watching. If you made it this far with us, subscribe to us again on social media or any podcast platform or on YouTube. We got to get going. Call it a night for Justin Goodrum. I'm Matt Thomas. Thanks again and peace out. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Hoopsology, presented by Boss Life. If you have comments or questions about this episode, please email hoopsologypod at gmail.com. Also, leave us a review on iTunes and follow us on all social media platforms.